G'day everyone, welcome to Did You Know with Watto. I'm Watto and in today's episode I chat with Jen Mize about some things that maybe you didn't know. For more episodes you can check out my YouTube channel or the podcast app and follow my social media at Lindsay Waddington Music. Hope you enjoy. G'day, welcome to Did You Know with Watto and today we've got a really special guest and one of our greatest talents here in Australia, Jen Mize. Hi. Great to have Hi. you here, Jen. <laughs> it's good to be here, Watto. Uh, mate, firstly, uh, you're a wonderful artist and you're one of our greatest singers out here. Thank you. That's very kind. I appreciate uh, that. Ah, no, it is. And But we're also proud to have you here involved in our team of musicians. I'm pretty happy that I'm pretty chuffed that I get to be amongst this team of musicians. Oh, pretty no, high yeah. quality and, and good good humans. So. I think that's the greatest thing. I'm very proud of the team we got here. It's very friendly and there's a lot of yeah. lot of fun. Super high quality, but also incredibly grounded. Isn't it great how yeah. artists pay yeah. us to hang out? No, I shouldn't say. <laughs> it is great. Thank you. Keep the money coming for the hangouts. <laughs> yeah. But let's get to the serious part. So, okay, Jen. So firstly, I think it's wonderful that you're an amazing artist yourself as a solo artist and you have a band as well and wonderful songwriter. Thank you. But I also do think it's really humbling that you're also happy to come and lend your, your skills and do harmonies and BVs on people's albums. I think that's a wonderful quality. So you must enjoy it. I absolutely, like I love doing harmonies. I love being a backing vocalist. I feel like it kind of taps into a bunch of what, what friends of mine have said are my superpowers. Because hmm. uh, I, I grew up, you know, going to school and being in choir and, you know, singing in choirs and having a choir teacher that was like, hey, Jen, could you jump into the tenor section? And I'd be like, okay, today, challenge, <laughs> woo. Um, and so it allows me to like rely on that. It gives me some arranging abilities too, mm-hmm. because as you're stacking backing vocals and you're chiming in with parts and throwing ideas back and forth, you and yeah. I. Yeah. There's all there's an arrangement aspect of it that Absolutely. happens at the same time, and honestly, as a songwriter, I do everything for service of the song, anyways. Mm-hmm. So even as as coming in as a backing vocalist for someone else's project, it's the same ethos. I come in trying to service the song, yep. whatever that is. How you know if that's a big old stack that's you know really heavy with vocals, or if it's one single line that's you know really minimal and subtle. I think that's, um, like once again, I'm very lucky to have you here working with you. I think that's one of the great things about your your touches with the, the BVs, like you're such a great songwriter too. So you actually don't just sing it as a job, you're, you're getting into the lyric and feeling the song. And, and that's an important thing you're sort of touching on there. I yeah, think. I think I think it's the same thing that, you know, any of the musicians that you work with regularly would bring to the table. You know, like Brendan Radford's also a great songwriter. Absolutely. And when he comes in and plays a guitar line or sings a backing vocal yep. or plays harmonica, he, his approach is that, that same ethos, the ethos of what's in service of the song, what is the song telling me? Yeah. And then how do I add to rather than detract from? How can I just add, whether it's a tiny little thing or this big thing, you know, um, and I'll, you know, you know that a lot of times I'll look to you and be like, is is this subtle or are we going big? I think, I think we might be going, are we going big here? Let's try it. it. Let's see what happens. And then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll throw some ideas around and Mm. we'll eventually come to something that usually we're all happy with. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So we've had you talking long enough now. So is it North Queensland? It sounds like you come from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where are you from, Jen? 
My husband grew up in Townsville. Yes. But uh, I, I grew up in Las Vegas, outside of Las Vegas in like a little horse ranch, a little, you know, hobby farm property outside of Las Vegas. And then went to school in Boston. Yeah. And then went was working on cruise ships to try to pay off my uni debt. Entertaining or working? Entertaining, entertaining. I was singing and dancing on the ships and wow. was like the female lead singer in the shows. Yeah. Uh, so I was asked to dance more than I was really comfortable with, but uh, <laughs> I did my best. Rough seas, it makes it easier. Rough seas, I, I blame the rough seas a lot. Um, but yeah, so uh, I did that for years, and that's where I met my Australian husband, was out on one of those cruise ships. And L- then Las Vegas would have been a great place to grow up? It was. I mean, it, I, I saw a lot of live music and shows and things like that. I grew up, you know, going to the music lounges. Yeah. Did you grow up in a musical family? There's some, my cousin Tara was very musical, classically Mm -hmm. trained pianist and oboist. Mm -hmm. And I kind of started down the road from a classical um, point of view as well. I started by playing cello Mm -hmm. and then got into classical singing. Yeah. uh, And then realized that I, though I enjoyed classical music a lot, it wasn't where my heart really lied. wasn't, it wasn't what connected to me most. Yeah. And started doing popular songs and country music and musical theater kind of all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't take up songwriting or original music until after I'd left the cruise ships. What was the first song that made you think, because I know you've had this great career, which we'll talk over the next short time here. Sure. What was the first song that, yep, yeah, that's what I'm going to do? Look, I always I idolized songwriters because yeah. they were like, I think, I think because when I went to uni, uh, I had to study Shakespeare and all kinds of other things yeah. while I was taking theater courses. Yep. So I got deep into writing, um, especially playwrights, and I was just amazed by how they could convey an idea in such a short amount of space. Mm-hmm. And these deep human connect condition ideas, like these big things in such a small amount of space. And so that, when I left that that whole schooling, I started listening to songs very differently than when, than I had when I was a kid. Mm. You know, when I was a kid, it was like, oh, you know, this is this great song and it's, you know, it's, you know, let's say Shania Twain's still the one. Yeah. I, you know, I, I played Shania Twain out. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I Trailblazer, was, I was at she? that age. Yeah. She was a tra- It was country and pop. Yeah. She's Native American. I'm Native American. I yeah. connected with Shania. Um, and there there's all these Shania songs that I would love to sing but I hadn't really connected to the lyric, whether that was just because I was young and naive or I wanted people to think I was cool, so I wanted to be on stage and I wanted to see all that stuff. After uni, I, I started looking at songs really differently from a writer's perspective, but I hadn't become a songwriter yet. Mm-hmm. So I was really just going, oh, how great would it be if I could write my own songs? And so I think I started thinking about it yeah. for many years before I put it into practice. Wow. And then on the cruise ships, I had a lot of extra time on my hands. Yep. So I bought a, a, my first guitar from one of the stage managers who was leaving. It was a Takamine. Yeah. It was a good little... That little, wasn't your first instrument, though? No, I had played cello. Yeah, you said that. And, so and it was I first? Played, I played violin when I was really little and then played cello seriously. Yeah. And then I got a guitar and I was like, well, how, how hard can it be? So, <laughs> you know, I went to ultimateguitar.com. Like <laughs> you know, like, I know. No, not exactly. I, I, yeah. Um, 
so I went and, you know, like looked up Tracy Chapman songs and oh, yeah. things to try to get me started. Soulful meanings. Yeah. Yeah. Something that's, you know, like, and I think, I mean, although some people, you know, the blues people would say I'm a bit of a country song, country singer who does blues. And the country people would say I'm a bit of a blues singer who does country. I'm yeah. really an Americana and alt country yeah. singer. Um, I don't do anything straight up and down, really. I sort of find you more of a singer-songwriter. If you've got yeah. a story to tell, you actually just do it. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, it can cross yeah, genres. So, genres. Yeah, so yeah, I try to. Maybe do. old country will put you in because it's a bit of everything, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and like that's what that whole Americana word means. Yeah. I know it's you know it's it's, it's <laughs> kind of a big umbrella for everything. Yeah. Um, but, but everything roots music based, yeah. which is country, soul, gospel, blues, hmm. folk. Kind of all in that umbrella. I could do any of those, and anything like that could come out. Um, Can you say folk again? Folk. Again? Folk. <laughs> I'll never get that. We'll have to cut that out if I try and say that. Folk. Folk. Yes. Folk. How do you say it? Say it again. What? Well, now you're nervous. Folk. <laughs> folk. Folk. You're more pronounced. Folk. See, it's an it's for for an American like me. It's it's a like a long O. Folk. Folk. With an L. Did you know if I said that, that could actually be very dangerous? It, so it, I'll just it, stick it with folk. Yeah. No one can misconstrue that. Hopefully you're not misconstruing mine. I've yeah. said it like nine times now. Sorry. <laughs> scrub tick, mate. <laughs> yeah, cool. We don't want to brush over it because um, something that I love with all my travels is the Indigenous people and the Native mm. people to every, every country we go to. It, it fascinates me. I love people. That's why we're doing this here. Native American background. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, don't look it. I'm, I'm, you know, like I, I pass for Lily White every day of my life. So I've never, I've never had any of the racism or oppression or anything directed at me. So like, but I do have a Native American background. My grandmother, uh, Anne Locklear, is from the Lumbee tribe of North Carolina. Yes. Uh, and so I'm quarter Native American. Great. Uh, and I grew up, you know, listening to my grandma tell me stories of, of my tribe. And, wow. But, but I didn't grow up in North Carolina, so I didn't grow up in the tribe and around my, my elders all the time. And so I don't try to lean heavily into it because mm. it feels somewhat disrespectful. Mm -hmm. to, you know, walk around and go, oh, because I'm this, I can now claim all of this. I, it's, not, it's not my life experience. It's my heritage. Mm -hmm. And I do pay um, honor to it as, as much as I possibly can. Good on you. And I also feel very strongly that those voices, voices of uh, indigenous peoples, need to be heard a yeah. whole lot more than they are. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever I can do to help that, if, if my platform can help those voices be heard, I'm a thousand percent behind that. Yeah, good on you, mate. Yeah. Like, I think it's um, all of that's very important. Like, uh, I, I grew up, like, I was 13, I think, when I first started touring out as a roadie with the Brian Young Show. We used yeah. to spend 11 months of the year on the road, Youngie did. And I think we would have spent maybe eight or nine months of that in Aboriginal communities and missions. Yes. And I just got to love. Uh, their their artwork, their their take on life, and and all the stories of yesteryear was just incredible. All the Dreamtime stuff, like obviously you can't be privy to all of it because um, you know it's it's sacred. A lot of their Absolutely. their stuff, but it's such an amazing thing. And you've got that, and and hope it keeps going. Um, the first time I ever saw it was I was working with um, an Australian show at Silver Dollar City in Missouri. Yeah, 
and we had Aboriginal dancers with us. Mm-hmm. And this is this would be oh, 20, 21 or 22 years ago. And before our dancers would perform, because we had a four-month season there mm-hmm. at Silver Dollar City, um, there was an Indian powwow, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. And all the, uh, the local Indians come together mm-hmm. and they put on this big feast and dance and the drums. And I, I can tell you now, our dancers perform seven days a week and sometimes two shows on the weekends there and Dollywood, but the performance they put on there that night for the local mm. um, natives and native, native Indian, American, yeah, oh my god, what a what a performance! It you could just feel it. Yeah, it, it was every stomp on the ground was hitting the ground mm. like it was. Not that they didn't do a great show, but but you Regularly. could just feel it was. Yeah, the emotion and everything was just there. It's such a similar story. That, that both Indigenous cultures have experienced. That, it would be everywhere, like, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I think, but America and Australia really stands out. It's a, it, it's it's about 400 years removed, mm. you know, so the things that happened here in Australia had been happening in America for about 400 years. Mm. Uh, so, and, and took longer for it to go across the entire continent in America mm. than it did here just because of, you know... Um, you know the times yeah. and things like that, uh, but it's a very similar story, and there's a lot of empathy and and honor and respect amongst both indigenous populations. And we, you know, like we get it, we get each other. Great. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. So yeah, um, look, I'm super proud of my heritage and super so proud you should of be. my grandmother yeah. and the Lumbee people. I I the Lumbee people are awesome. Yeah, I could start my own tribe, the Lumpy People. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so if you're ever traveling in America and you want really, really good barbecue, go to Lumberton and Pembroke, North Carolina. So when are we touring America? Oh, man, let's go do it. I'm joining your mob. I'd go on the barbecue alone, man. (laughs) The North Carolina-style barbecue is my, that's my, that's my game. I love all barbecue. Yeah. But give me a North Carolina-style pulled pork sandwich. Oh, Oh, man, how good is that? So let's move away from that. That's a wonderful thing, Jen. I'm, I'm so glad you've touched base and you know about your, your heritage. It's so wonderful. But let's go back to when you were in the choirs when you were young. Yes. Now, haven't you got a story like some choirs around here go and perform at the local council or they do this or yeah. that? But I've heard that you were sort of like in this very prestigious place for some prestigious people. I, I was. I, I got very lucky. Um, I, my, my high school, I went to a performing arts high school. Yep. The, the high school opened when I was in 10th grade. Mm -hmm. So from 10th grade through graduation, 12th grade, I went to this performing arts high school called the Las Vegas Academy of International Studies and Performing Arts. And my, we have a lot of alumni that are very famous, you know, actors in TV and movies, uh, Nayo is one of our alumni. He runs Motown Records now. So, it, you know, it's a very, it's, it's a very prestigious yeah. school now. Yeah. Then it was brand new. Oh, yeah. Um, my choir teacher at the time, it was my senior year. She entered a competition for us to sing at the White House <laughs> for the national press tour at Christmas time. And we won. Like so, the White House. The White House. The White House. The White House. Okay. And we won. And so Miss Cameron, it was my choir teacher, her idea, which I think was a great idea at the time, um, was that we would learn every single Christmas song under the sun, 
every traditional Christmas song there was. We learn uh, a few Hanukkah songs, a few songs for Kwanzaa, just so that when we got to this national press tour uh, and uh, Hillary Clinton was taking us around the White House with all the Christmas trees, that if she requested a song, we would be able to fulfill that request. So I think we learned like some 200 songs, carols. And so the job was we, we show up. We're in D.C. for a, a few days. We sang at the Senate at, this, at the Capitol for Harry Reid, which is – Harry Reid was uh, – at he was our senator from Nevada. So we went and sang for Harry Reid and the people at the Capitol. Um, then we sang – and we're all in costumes that – like Dickens carolers' costumes with like the little like white muffs yeah. and like hoods and bonnets. My mother made all of the costumes. For the whole choir. The whole choir. Holy dooly. I was making muffs for months. <laughs> like these little furry things and sewing them. Anyway, like, so <clears throat> we get we get to the White House and we're singing in the foyer with all the, the one of the rooms with all the trees, the decorated Christmas trees. And they were, you know, the press is all there and there are, you know, cameras and lights and the New York Times and the Washington Post and all these, cam- all these you know, and we're, I'm 17 the rest of the choir is anywhere from seven, 18 to, you know, 15. Mm. We're all like losing our minds, beaming, you know, we're, um, and we get ushered into this room and the piano's there and we're standing there. And then Mrs. Clinton, this is when we f- first see her for the first time. And she comes around and, and she introduces us to every, all the cameras and the people in the room. And then my, we sing a few songs, a few carols previously picked by my teacher that we did really well. And then she turns to Mrs. Clinton and she says, you know, Mrs. Clinton is there. Do you have a favorite Christmas carol? And Mrs. Clinton then said, I love Schubert's Ave Maria, which is technically not a Christmas carol. It is a piece of sacred music, but it's not a Christmas carol. Uh, And there is no choral version for Schubert's Ave Maria. And my teacher knew that I did it. that I had been doing it for a year and a half or something like that. And her husband was the pianist at the time. He was accompanying us. And she goes, you okay? You're on. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, sure. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm singing solo at the White House. Unbeknownst to me, it wasn't planned. Did you walk past and say to everyone, just take a break? No, I was, I was, I don't, I don't, I don't remember much of it. My mother kept, had to like, fill me in after because i i was you know the the you know really? I was a teenager is just like oh god oh yeah sure yeah. like you can't turn down mrs clinton no no like what are you gonna do so um i sang and you know we we did a few more songs after that i made it through it it's good um and then they gave me a, like a, a letter of recommendation and oh, so yeah. technically i've sung solo at the white house now big story but yeah were they good folk they were good folk. <laughs> they were really. They were just 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 good, normal just people. Really normal people. Um, I mean, we didn't get to spend a heaps of time with Mrs. Clinton, but she was just lovely to everyone and everyone at the White House, everyone that took us around and all the people we met. They were just so lovely to us. I mean, of course we were we were kids and it was Christmas and everyone's on their best behavior, of course. But <laughs> yeah, no, it was a really beautiful experience. Did you ever think, like at the time, it, it must have been going through your mind, you must have been thinking, 
wow, you know, this is happening at a young age. Like eventually I'll probably end up getting to hang out and work with Lindsay Waddington. Look, I don't think I don't think my vision was that strong at the time. I don't know that I I don't know that I knew that I'd find myself here. Oh, All the best. It gives me something to look forward to, you know? Um, oh, makes me feel good when I leave that place. <laughs> that's incredible, mate. Like that I know you just say it as a, something you've done, but that's huge. That is massive. It, it was it was so huge for me at the time. And as a as a you know, a memory and something I can go, you know what? Ticked a box. Oh, Not a box I thought I'd ever it's, tick, it's but incredible. that'll do. Yeah. So, okay. So you've, we, we'll go back now to, we move across the party. You're a bit scatty with things, but you met your husband on the cruise ships. I did. An Australian boy from Townsville. Ashley Rees. Yep. Yeah. So come back. Yeah. Happy to be in Australia. Love it here. Look, I absolutely love it here. I, I love America. I yeah. miss certain things about it. I miss family, friends, of course. I miss food. Yep. But I, I don't think I'd ever move back. You wouldn't go back? So no. it's all sort of working here for you? Look, it's working and it feels like home to me now. Like Love since, that. I mean, I've been here since 2006 and I think Australia's changed me for the better. Yeah. Like, yeah, they've, it's changed who I am. Definitely my sense of humor has improved. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, uh, you know, like just, just the, the whole, the whole Australian thing of, you know, taking the piss and, yeah. you know, give, teasing and loving the people that you love. You give them a hard time. Just that ethos, that ethic yeah. is something that isn't, it happens in America. It's just not across the board. Yeah. You have to know people really well to give them a good ribbing in America. Here, you'll get it like, Instantly. Oh, mate, I get funny looks when I get up and start doing that on stage. You can oh, see yeah. some people looking at you. And I'm, and I'm going, I'm going, wow, okay, we're there already. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no holds barred. Let's go. You know, so I love it. I, yeah. you know, like I've, I love, I love a blue collar cu culture as well. Like it's my type of people. Um, I love learning and I love, you know, like I love, reading and all these types of things but i also love people who can have a little joke and laugh at themselves and not take themselves too seriously i think if we can all start laughing at ourselves, and we will become one eventually yeah, absolutely yeah. like in like highfalutinness has never really rubbed me the right way no. it's an arrogance that that just isn't all that great and there's very little of it in australia which we just wouldn't be tolerated no uh and i love that about the australian people who you know just hold everyone to account, not so much, and, and you know, love you, but you're also this. Like, I love, I love that. So I don't, I don't know that I could go back, yeah. like, for good. Yeah. Like, I love to go for visits. I, I really do. And, and um, my mom's coming soon to visit again, and I can't wait. Can't Your mum's still in show business over there, in a way, isn't she? Yeah, she's 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 officially now retired uh, okay. as of June. But she she wasn't she was never an in show business herself. She was into community development, um, at, and she lives in a little town outside of Nashville. So mm. my parents, after living in Las Vegas, when I came here, they retired to a little town outside of Nashville. Yeah. So I got the best of both worlds and could go back to Nashville and go back and forth and really experience um, that kind of Southern hospitality and charm, yeah. which my mother's family is is from the Deep South originally. So yes. 
all from Georgia, North Carolina, and Tennessee. So that's home, really. It was like one one generation in Las Vegas, but yeah. we're really Southerners at heart. I can tell you, one of your trips back, I'm very jealous of this because, um, once again, studio, you talk yeah. about certain things. You, you know what I'm going to say, aren't you? One of my favourite bands of all time is New Grass Revival. Yeah. And you just get to sit there just casually say, yeah, I've had a chat with Sam Bush. And it's like, yeah. what the? That was that was Americana Music uh, Fest. I want to say 2012, 2014. I went two years and they, I, I kind of get them mixed up now because I yeah. can't remember. Cause yeah. I can't remember which one was which. But one of those years, I ended up at Third and Lindsley. Mm-hmm. to see the time jumpers for the first time which is if you don't know the time jumpers a oh, bunch get, of talentless bums aren't get they get around <laughs> it um just amazing you oh, know yeah. like Vince Gill, come on yeah. just shut it down yeah. um and i was sitting there with two, two two of my friends in music uh you know um and we we had been working on a record with mark moffat at the time yep um and we're sitting there and it's Americana Fest. So all the big players are all kind of there at the same time. I mean, I've literally walked into like Sue Ray grabbed my shirt at one point and kept me from knocking over Emmy Lou Harris. Because <laughs> that's, they're just people, they're there. Everyone's around you. So I would have done that on purpose. Oh no, I, I, she's like, she's like, she grabs my shirt and pulls me and she goes, you're just getting a little like theatrical with your hands and Emmy Lou's standing behind <laughs> you. And I just wanted to make sure you don't knock her over. I was like, thank you, thank you. So like the stars are all there. They're like the people you've always idolized, the people that you, that you put on this pedestal that you never think you'd mm. be a foot away from are just hanging out. Yeah. Um, uh, and we're sitting there watching the time jumpers at Third and Lindsley, and up walks Sam Bush. And of course, I know Sam Bush on site. Uh, Never met the man, but I'm a Sam Bush fan. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, and I said, and he goes, "Hey, hi," and I go, "Hey, Sam Bush, how you doing?" <laughs> he goes, "Hey, what's your name?" And I'm like, "I'm Jen. This is my band. These are my friends." And I introduce them, and they're losing their minds because yeah. Sam Bush. Yeah, they're, they're like, they're never thinking this is a possibility. And we just got into a lovely little conversation about stuff, and he's just the nicest most down-to-earth man and, you know, makes you even more. They say don't meet your heroes. But when it comes to the musicians and, the uh, you know, those, those, those heroes that are a little bit off the, um, the totally commercial side of things, I say meet them because they're almost always amazing. Just normal. Yeah. Just normal people that happen to be, you know, skilled and brilliant at the thing they excel the most at. Mm. I mean, Vince Gill was up there wearing, you know, shorts and tennis shoes and <laughs> was sitting there playing guitar like this. No, like, like nobody else can. And it's no just like it's just falling out of you. Just no one yeah. else cared. And you're just like, what, you know what? You can do that, Vince Gill, because you're Vince Gill. And every single thing you play or sing oh, is going to be like outstanding. So I love the fact that they're all super down to earth and Sam's really good friends with Vince obviously and he's like that's I'm here to see Vince too you oh. and me both and I'm like yep okay so Amazing. good now that's great now talking about people like that another person who I think um, I've never had the pleasure of meeting him or getting up close but he just comes across on TV and in every interview as one of the greatest humans is Michael Bublé look he is he is incredibly funny <laughs> he's yeah. a good he's a good cat a really a really good cat and like outs, outstandingly funny yeah 
like just a riot. So what you see, it's like he, that is just him. That's why he comes across that, so natural. That's him. That's him. You know, like, um, uh, I mean, he's one of those guys that, you know, in a, in a quieter moment, he can share, you know, something really deep and insightful and n- not necessarily funny with you and ha- full of heart. Mm. Um, but no, and I, I, I did not get to spend a huge amount of time with him, but you know, that the moment where, uh, I thought this guy is just too much and he's wonderful. And I mean, cause obviously he's one of the best voices in the world. My word. I mean, the man can interpret a song. His phrasing is something that every singer should be listening to just to learn. How loose is he though when he's singing? Uh, He's he's just feeling it. And I I mean, yes, he's taken his cues from the greats of the past, from, you know, Frank Sinatra and, and, and all, every single like crooner, Hmm. he knows his stuff, but he's also reinterpreted all of that. And he he has his own way about it. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of his work. And then I got lucky enough to be asked to sing, you know, backing vocals for him and work with the group Naturally Seven, uh, for, you know, one of the songs here at the Brisbane Entertainment Center. And we had probably, we had, I think, three shows, maybe four shows. So it was only about a week that I got to spend with all of them, but it was it was a really great time. And, you know, at one point, this is my favorite Michael Buble story. Uh, everyone, all the gals that were in the group with us, they had all gotten ready and they were going out to watch Naturally 7. And it was, it was a kind of a small dressing room. So we had shared a mirror. So I'd kind of hung back and waited to, you know, touch up my makeup right before. So I said, gals, go out, you know, just go out and I'll be right behind you. I'll find you. And so I'm alone in the dressing room, just finishing up my makeup. And I walk, go to walk out the dressing room. And here comes Michael Buble in his, you know, shirt and his blue boxer shorts. And he's jumping, he's hurtling chairs, <laughs> like just randomly <laughs> jumping over chairs. I don't know if he was get, like getting himself excited to, to yeah. like rev himself up for the show, but he's like, and he goes, hey, <laughs> jumps over the chairs and just continues. Like I never, at no other point did he do anything in his boxer shorts. I just happened to catch it. And I was like, okay, see ya brother. Like, did you sort of get Yep. I, am yeah. I awake? One of those moments where you're like, yep, did I just see you playing as boxers? I did. I did. Okay. Okay, then. No, it was a great experience. Out on stage with that then, Jen, like you talked about at the White House, you felt this like, it was like a blur. Did that really happen? Same with Buble? Same with Buble. Did um, you find a pressure, like, because, like, for yourself, not so much, because you know you can do the job, but were you like, you know, I just don't, was there any pressure? or No, it's just... Easy. It wasn't pressure. He was very good at putting us all at ease. Like, because the stage at the time was, ra- is it was like a raked stage? You know, the stages where like the band kind of sits up a stage and Michael worked this kind of platform that just continued. It was like a ramp almost. Oh, yeah. So he would like walk up stage to us on top of this thing. And it's, I think it were like, s- s- there must have been seven ladies and naturally seven. So there's like 14 of us singing this big choral piece and we're going okay well how good is this we have michael buble's entire band which is exceedingly great i mean these are great musicians Mm. michael's singing the the ears off of everything he ever does and then there's us up there singing these beautiful harmonies look it was one of those moments where you're you definitely pinch me moment 
It would have to be one of the highlights then, Jen, like musically. Musically, definitely one of my highlights. I have been lucky as well because I did the national tour of Sophisticated Ladies hmm. with Mary Wilson of the Supremes and the whole Duke Ellington oh, Orchestra. Wow. And I got to sing Caravan. I got oh, to yeah. sing lead on Caravan in front of the whole Duke Ellington Orchestra every night on the tour. So that was pretty astounding. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, again, luck. It's like this whole business is so much about being in the right place at the right time, being the right person that's geographically in the right place at that time. Yeah, but you've got to have the chops when you get there. You do. You, the door can open, but if you can't walk you through it and do the, the job. Skills, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I was, you know, I'm I'm both prepared and lucky, you know, yeah. uh, for all those those situations. And they, they are, you know, those pinnacle musical moments where you're like, it, you know, it, it's it might be all downhill from here, but maybe not. I don't know. Oh, I we'll don't just, know about that. We'll just oh. keep going. We'll just, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll just keep, you know, acquiring experiences. And, um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. I have to say it's epic. Well, if you could write one song tomorrow, it already written, like what's one song that you could say, gee, I wish I was the one that wrote that? Mm. Look, I'd have to be... It have to be it have to be John Prine, Angel from Montgomery. Ooh, yes. Yeah. What a choice. Yeah. I mean, what it's a... just it's timeless. It hits. What I don't. I don't. I don't care what what where you come from, what language you speak. It's just something. If you can hear, especially if you can get the Prine and Bonnie Raitt duet and listen yes. to that, if that doesn't speak to your soul, on a human level. Something's wrong. So, go get your heart and <laughs> your heart checked. <laughs> like, go see, go see a psychiatrist, a doctor, something, because something's not connecting. Because it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those songs that is just a, a heart wrencher and timeless. And yeah, John Prine is obviously, you know, any any songwriter worth their salt is taking taking cues from John Prine because it don't come better than that. No, doesn't. Okay, on another note, then, if you could do a duet. Tomorrow with any artist, who would it be? <laughs> well, tomorrow we could. I'm I'm free. You want to? You, you want to just do something? We could. Oh, we, just, we could just write a song. You mean out of everything you've done? Look, I'm literally here. Like, we oh, could, is that the only reason? No, no. But remember what I said about geographical. Like, here's the opportunity. We can do it. No, yeah. No, all seriously, um, who who would it be? You reckon? Who would it be? Um. If it if it if it didn't if I could have anyone I wanted, can they be someone who's passed on? Yeah, absolutely. Tom Petty. Okay. Tom, Tom Petty, Petty would be my go. I can like, actually see that because Tom Petty is both a great vocalist, like he's got such an interesting sound, but one of the best songwriters around, and does know how to collaborate on a duet. Mm-hmm. Can be the guy who can sing harmony on the duet and write you could write the things you could write with tom petty that's interesting like right? the world's wide open to you yeah can i get an ai tom petty in my life i bet you i can yeah that's scary in a way it's probably going to come along down the track soon yeah, isn't it absolutely but that's yeah cool. he's probably one of those people that i wish so his wildflowers record is one of my favorite it's my favorite record of all time yeah um, production wise, song wise, it's for me, it's the perfect record. Uh, and yeah, I mean, and he lived in that world someplace between rock, country, 
Um, he's that mid midland, you know, heart of America kind of rock and roll. That's someplace between rock and country and 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 singer songwriter, and that's the music that's always inspired me. So yeah, I'd I'd give my left arm for Tom Petty. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, it's been fun talking to you, Jen. Thanks, man. You have such such a colourful career so far, and I know you're going to have an even brighter one. You've got some wonderful things going with it one of Australia's greatest bands at the mo- moment, and they're called? Jen Myers and the Rough and Tumble. And uh, wonderful yeah. musicians, and I know it's going to do well for you, mate, but you as an artist yourself, you've just got something special and stick with it, and you're a wonderful human. So are you. You're, you're really easy. You're very easy to, to work with in every way, Linz. I mean, like, I think you've... I think you've pulled together this group of musicians because everyone wants to work with you. So oh, thank you. you make it you make it super easy. We all get to have a damn good time. We do. And yeah. I think it shows in the music too. I think so too. I hope so. That's oh, our job. Yeah, it's Otherwise our job. Otherwise we're not doing it. <laughs> it's our job. <laughs> yeah. We can't mow lawns, so it's gotta be that. <laughs> yeah, well, I you know, my, my lawn mowing days are probably past me now. Yeah. Well, I had to snip out yard the other day, I go, look at this. Oh no. <laughs> well, it's oh, nothing like a professional show here. <laughs> Put your hands together. Great to have Jen Myers, one of our greatest talents. Get onto YouTube, uh, onto all the streaming services. Her music's there. I know you're going to love it. And I know we might do this again down the track sometime because there's a lot more we could talk about. Jen Myers. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, everyone. Hope you all enjoyed today's episode. For more episodes, you can check out my YouTube channel or the podcast app and follow my social media at Lindsay Waddington Music. See you all down the track somewhere.